It's not personal, Sonny. It's strictly business. Searching for the unusual, the obscure, the forgotten treasures hidden deep within streaming media. This is the Deep Dive Podcast. Plane in the sun! Get below! Lookouts, get below! Dive the boat! Dive the boat! Take it down to 150 feet, steer course 090. Continue to dive. Hello, divers. Welcome yet again. To the Deep Dive hmm. Podcast, a never-ending quest to find the hidden gems and moist piles of garbage lurking below the surface of your favorite streaming media services. I'm Tom Pena. <laughs> How would you like that? Was that good? Uh, that was a good one. I'm telling you. I'm getting into this method acting. Uh, I'm Tom Feeney, writer for Wang's Job Movie Magazine, available on Amazon.com. And joining me, as always, from a haunted Quonset hut deep in the New Hampshire wilderness, the Mandalorian herself. Hey, Manda. Hey, that's me. That's I'm you. the Mandalorian. You yep. are the Mandalorian, especially now since we, you know, we're between seasons. You get to be the only Mandalorian, which is good. This is true, but you know, I was thinking about it, and oh, October so far away. Uh, you know, it's really not. <laughs> and oh, I don't know God, if that's a no. good thing or a bad thing. Well, you know, since time and space don't exist anymore, uh, oh, you know, yeah. whatever, right? All we have this is a is calendar. True. All we have is a calendar to let us know what's going on. So. <laughs> That's a, I, I imagine that's what prison is like, you know. You see those all those oh, TV shows and movies yeah. where they're just like scratching, like you know, into the wall day one, day two. So that's kind of what it feels like a little bit. Well, I you know, I have this friend on uh, Instagram, and she makes sure that she posts every day. I think she's up to like 138 days of lockdown now. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I'm at least we're at least allowed to like within reason and safely go out if you need to for supplies. But I mean, she's in full on has not left her home. It's really? not advent. Yeah. It's not advantageous for her to do so oh. because one, she gets sick and two, her working hours are the days that pe like are the hours that they're allowed to go out safely. Mm, yeah. Rough. She lives in, uh, I think, I think Spain oh. and they've got a pretty tight lockdown now. Wow. So yeah, she's, I think they're allowed to go out from like, I don't know, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., like a normal working day, but that's her working hours. So she finds that, like, at 6.30 at night, you know, look, she she's just in her house all the time. And honestly, it's really tough for myself. I mean, you know, having, like, anxiety in general kind mm, of sucks, yeah, but, yeah. like, living in your home is really tough right now, especially us like, who have this gorgeous summer weather. Yes. But I can't imagine... Um, being forcefully like, hey, no, you are not allowed to leave. Like, like she's literally in a bunker, except she can see the outside. And 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 when you can see that the outside is Spain, that must makes it make it even worse because you know Spain is uh, beautiful. Yeah, so. gorgeous. Yeah, uh, that's rough. Yeah, but in happier news, the planet is not as suffering as much. So that's great. Yeah, the animals are reclaiming, uh, you know, the surface of the earth. So hey, there we got that to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Except for when we go back and we kill everything again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, who knows? It's a catch twenty two. Yeah. You know, poor animals. <laughs> they they get they get a break. The poor animals get a break and then it's oh the humans are back. Great. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> oh well. We'll see what happens. I'm just, you know, I'm trying not to look forward to anything at this point. <laughs> oh my gosh, we were just talking, but uh, I have a vacation book. Well, like a, a period of vacation because when I started my job, they were like, hey, to make it easy for everybody, just book in advance. Now, typically, that's not something I think I'm used to, at least in the American workforce. Mm -hmm. um, uh, my husband, on the other hand, who, who came, he came, he is English, and when he worked in England, they would have to book it out literally at the beginning of the fiscal year, right? So a year in advance. Wow. So my employer was like, yeah, book it out and, you know, whatever. So I booked this vacation in January thinking I can't wait for August to come around. Oh. <laughs> and yeah. So now our goal is to sort of, if we can, and I'm sure everyone's trying to, but like find these sort of remote and not so populated little nooks on a beach somewhere because I just, I need the beach in my life. And in fact, that's going to tie very heavily into my pick for this episode, but just, Excellent. I need the beach. 
Need the beach. You know, I understand that uh, that there's a, an island that's not being used that used to be owned by some guy named Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, so, you know, I think, that, <laughs> I think that's free. Um, and there goes literally all of our subscribers. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the final <laughs> episode. <laughs> no, 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 no. But... Uh, our episode today, uh, interestingly enough, our topic was suggested by one of our listeners. Mm -hmm. um, her name is Stephanie Ferrand, and she's from the Lone Star State, a.k.a. Texas. Uh, Steph yeah, Stephanie suggested that we pick movies that have made something of a personal uh, impact on our lives. Uh, and we greatly appreciate the, su uh, the suggestion, Stephanie. And we hope you, your friends and family are staying safe during, as the commercials say, these uncertain times. In Ugh, these uncertain that, that, times. Phrase, that phrase is just, not that it's overdone, because of course it is, but it brings such terror to me now. Uh, when I hear it, I just think, oh, please don't remind me. I am living it. I don't need any reminders of how crazy this world is right now. You know, yeah. something that defined my generation was 9-11. Mm -hmm. uh, I think what's going to define my youngest my younger brother's generation is is coronavirus. That's very possible. <laughs> so, yes, I mean, yes. Anyways, thank you for the suggestion. I, it's really cool that we have um, folks who are writing in or contacting us on Twitter, or Instagram, or Facebook, and because we love doing these these episodes, but it's just so cool that people are are sending in their suggestions and things that they want to hear because it kind of gives a whole new like. I don't know, an oomph behind our our work ethic, as it were. Like, meaning we actually do something. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, if you're listening to this and you're enjoying this and you want to be like Stephanie, and by golly, you certainly do. How Why wouldn't would you? you yeah. yeah. How would you contact us, Amanda? Well, you could do a number of ways. I think the easiest way would probably go to our website, thedeepdivepodcast.com. There you'll find links for our email, our Instagram, our Twitter, our Facebook, and, funny enough, a plethora of all of our old episodes. In fact, I think every episode is on there. Oh, Thanks. nope, nope, not everyone. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, it's that one that we, it's, it's the one that we don't talk about. Yes, and guess what? <laughs> we're talking about it today because it has something to do with one of my picks. Oh, no kidding. So we're going to go, we're going to go talk about this. We're going to tell that story today. <laughs> oh, God, that's, that's going to be funny. fun. That's going to be fun. That was so long ago, too. Yes, it was. Yeah, it feels like a lifetime <laughs> ago now uh, in the before times. <laughs> You know, oh boy. All right. So uh, let's get this underway. Shall I go first? Yeah, why not? All right. Here we go. Now, as an impressionable youth during the 1970s, that far back, yes, I am old. Um, <laughs> I was fascinated with things like UFOs, the Bermuda Triangle, Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Now, the 70s itself was a time where people were really starting to explore the more kind of esoteric fringes of culture. Uh, there was more interest in the paranormal, religious cults, crop circles, things like that. That really started becoming like a, 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 a thing in the 70s. Now, mm -hmm. I was living in the boring suburbs, so I found that kind of stuff endlessly fascinating and just literally worlds away from what I saw outside my window. Uh, I hadn't yeah. built, you know, any critical thinking skills, so I had no idea what was true and what wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I would, you know, you put a premise in front of me, I'm buying into it. It's like, okay, lay, lay it on me, lay it on me. Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster got married and had kids, I'll buy into that. You just, you know, <laughs> you just tell me what happened, you know, show me a picture and I'm, I'm in. Now that brings me to my first pick. In 1978, my mother dropped me off at the local downtown movie theater. This was a decaying old Art Deco palace that was built in 1928. So 50 years later, yeah, 50 years later, it had crumbling walls, broken seats, <laughs> and a massive glass chandelier that I was certain was going to fall on my head one day and kill me. Thankfully, oh, but that must have been so cool inside. It was cool inside. Uh, in fact, the year after, 1979, they tore it down, which kind of stunk. Oh, what a bummer. I know. They did save that chandelier. I hear it is now sitting in a theater somewhere in the Midwest. So, hey, you know, at least oh, that got salvaged. Okay. Yeah. So it was at this very theater <clears throat> where I saw a movie 
that freaked me out and still holds a fascination for me to this day. And that movie is called Beyond and Back. May 10th, 1975. Dan Wilson was about to enter a realm from which very few persons have ever returned. He was about to die. Though pronounced clinically dead, Wilson miraculously recovered and was able to tell about the experience. Someday, like Dan Wilson, we are all going to die. What will it be like? Is there life after death? Is there a heaven? How does it feel to die? What happens at the moment of death? Some people believe that the spirit leaves the body on a voyage into the unknown. But where does the spirit go? Until now, no one really knew. Death has always been the final mystery. So yeah, as an impressionable wow, I'm creeped uh, out. Yeah, as an impressionable as an impressionable young child, I I I was subjected to this. <laughs> and so this was oh. yeah, this was classified as a speculation film so it was not really a documentary mm -hmm. uh, it was sort of like uh these little vignettes these little very cheaply made dramatizations of so-called true stories of life after death encounters uh the most traumatizing of these for me was the story of this woman who found out uh, her husband was cheating on her and uh basically drove off a cliff uh, in an attempt at suicide. And mm. while she was clinically dead, she found herself in a very low-budget version of hell uh, with a lot of poorly lit extras writhing in pain. Uh, this was, needless to say, as, uh, as a G-rated movie, and this was rated G. So I was <laughs> able to just walk in, buy a ticket and walk in. Nobody said a thing. This, to me, was the ultimate nightmare fuel. You know, first of all, oh. they, as you heard in that little in that little clip, someday we are all going to die. What? Wait a minute! Nobody told me that. Nobody said that to me. I this is news. You know, as a kid, I'm like, wait a minute! I'm not uh, what? That happens. That happens to other people, not me. So, <laughs> needless to say, I was freaked out quite a bit from this movie. Uh, it certainly kept me from complaining about going to church for a while. Um, yeah, I, I, I seriously, I did not want to end up in that bargain basement Hades for all eternity. Uh, oh, so wow. yeah, I mean, you can imagine an impressionable youth being told that, oh, when you die, you're going to go to this awful, uh, awful place. You're going to burn for eternity and see you later. Uh, so that was not, that was not a whole lot of fun. And it really had an, a, an effect, not just, you know, as a kid, but as, but for the rest of my life. So one right. of the things for years after that, for like 20 years after that, I tried to track down a copy of this. I, I would tell people about this movie and they'd be like, no, you, 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 you dreamt that. It was a fever dream or something. You made it up because it had never been released on home video ever. Mm -hmm. And it still hasn't to this day. Oh, wow. Yeah. So at two decades after I saw it, I was able to get a, a copy a, of a copy of a copy on eBay on VHS, <laughs> of all things. Mm. Uh, that actually started me down a path to find out more about the movie and the company that made it and a bunch of other uh, sort of these pseudo-documentaries. But do you have a VCR? Oh, this was when I did have a VCR. I still, oh, have, okay. I still have the tape, but I no longer have a VCR. <laughs> but I kept the tape. Uh, so uh, last year... I wrote a lengthy article on that movie and the company that made it for the magazine I write for, Wang's Chop. So mm -hmm. uh, it sort of culminated in me writing this article and having it published. Uh, so that was kind of like, I, I felt like I went full circle with that. So it was, a, it was a good kind of closure for me on this because I wanted to share my knowledge of this that I've been pulling together for like 20 years. Uh, mm -hmm. and just sort of get it out there. So it, it really was, I mean, from the time I was 10 years old to now, that's like a 40-year span. <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> uh, and I just, it, it felt really good for me to get that that sort of exercise, you know, exorcise that uh, that from me. So, yeah, so that was very interesting to me. And, and it, like I said, it had a huge impact on my life and in some ways my career as well. Yeah. So there you go, there you go. 
Wow. Um, now let's talk about this because I said that it's not available. Despite that, which is interesting, it actually does have a score on the Internet Movie Database. With okay. a, There's only 146 reviewers, <laughs> which is very slim. Uh, but for that, it's got a 4.6 out of 10, which okay. is not great. Uh, I'm not surprised. It's pretty obscure. It is not available on iTunes or Amazon Prime Video or even Tubi, where many films go to die. I don't know if you're... I don't know. I don't know. If you, I mean, if you've searched through Tubi, they've got a uh -huh. lot of movies, and most oh, of them are they do junk. <laughs> Seriously, junk. I have taken, and this is just a little bit of an aside. I have discovered a, a new favorite pastime, and that is going on to Tubi, right, and mm -hmm. going to the search and searching by year. So I will put in 1980 and see what films they have from 1980. I'll just pick one and watch it. <laughs> oh, I bet you that turns up some really weird things. Oh, it does. And it's easier than trying to search for a title because I don't know what I want to watch. So instead, I'll just look for a year and see what comes up. And it's uh, I've done it with Amazon Prime. I've done it with Tubi. I've done it with some other services as well. You'd be surprised. It's a great way to kind of narrow down a search and find some mm -hmm. pretty interesting things. So give that a shot if if you if you feel up to it. It's pretty cool. All right, so not bad. Where I did find this film Beyond and Back. <laughs> uh, is it legal? You know what? There as far as I can tell and I've done the research on this for when I did the the magazine article, these things right. are all these all seem to be in the public domain. They hmm, seem mm -hmm. to be. I I I'm not positive but it seems that's the case. At least no one seems to claim ownership of these mm -hmm. movies. Uh, so, yeah, it's on YouTube. YouTube for free right now as of this recording. So if you are at all interested in what, I, in what you heard and what I'm talking about and you kind of want to see this bizarre piece of uh, 70s documentary claptrap, give, mm -hmm. give it a try. Because it's, like I said, it's super cheap, but it's... Also kind of mesmerizing in its own way. And I will mm -hmm. get something that I will never, ever forget watching. Um, oh, fun fact. An even yeah. more obscure sequel was released the oh, following God. year called Beyond Death's Door, which I have not seen. Okay. So there you go. They even made a, a I think what that sequel was, I think they just bought somebody else's film that had a similar uh, similar style and subject matter and just like threw a different name on it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there's Yeah, that. that there wow, that was an obscure pick. Kudos. Yes, yes it was and one that has literally haunted me for much of my life. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, all right. This was hard for me in the sense that I wanted to make sure everything I said was meaningful and that, you know, even if it didn't, you know, resonate with anybody or any of our listeners, that it was genuine and true for me. Um, so <laughs> you're not going to be surprised at all by my first pick. It is 100% not obscure because I believe everybody in my generation has uh, seen it and forced their parents to watch it multiple times. Uh -huh. But my film is the 1988 classic, The Land Before the Time. You know, I knew or you were going to... The I, Land Before Time. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I knew oh, it. gosh. I think there are, more, there are more Land Before Time films than there are James Bond movies, I'm pretty sure. Well, funny, there are 14. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there are 14, and the most recent one came out, believe it or not, about five years ago. Um, and they're still going. There's there's still more in, in production, which blows my mind. But I'm talking about the first, the most amazing, the most brilliant, the original, the OG, the Don Bluth, amazing picture of The Land Before Time. Now, this, of course, I think being, being that I was only a couple years old by this point, uh, it, it probably is the first memory I have of loving dinosaurs, loving you know, larger creatures, loving animals in general, but in particular, really, really loving what I used to call, according to my parents, Dino Dune Dunes. Uh, what? <laughs> oh my gosh. If my mother listened to the podcast, she'd be so proud of me for actually saying this, but it is truth. I would call dinosaurs Dino Dune Dunes until about seven. <laughs> okay. Oh boy. Anyways, anyways. Okay. Um, if you have not, and I don't know how you've missed it, but if you have missed The Land Before Time, 
This is a children's animated feature by the Don Booth Company. He makes, by the way, tearjerker movies, and oh, this yeah. one is no different. Oh, yeah. Um, about a band of friends who happen to be all different dinosaurs. So we've got Littlefoot, who is, I mean, he's either a Brachiosaurus or an Apatosaurus. I'm not quite sure. Uh, uh, you've got well, he's Sarah, an apat- who's he's a Apatosaurus. He's an Apatosaurus. Is he? Sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. We've got uh, Spike, who's a Stegosaurus. We've got Petrie, who's a Pteranodon, <laughs> who's not even technically a dinosaur. Sarah is a Triceratops. We've got Ducky, who's a Thorlophus, I think. I, I can't remember. If, yeah, I think that's what she is. Yeah. But anyways, um, they're these little band of, of, of friends who don't necessarily come together in the easiest manner, but essentially this, the film opens up with um, you know all of the dinosaur, the major dinosaur herds, including although you don't find out till later, but carnivores are migrating because they are finding that the land is drying up. There is no uh, food, especially for the, quote, long necks, which is what, um, you know, the Littlefoot's family are. Um, they can't reach up. They can't find any trees um, or any leaf, any, like, really nice veg to, to eat because the land is kind of being eaten up, right? So, of course, the, the underlying... Uh, and I only know this as an adult theme there, is that the the idea is that the, the dinosaurs are coming to that age where they'll soon be extinct, right? So, like, um, not to be all weird and political and science, science, scientical? Scientific. There you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the Earth has gone through many, many iterations of, uh, you know, ice age to heat age, I guess you could call it, global warming, and, and sort of on and on and on. But, um, there's like this idea or this theory that like the, the earth was like super dry and like super hot and warm, um, like right before, or like an age before the, uh, the meteor hit. So this, this is like, you know, the sort of the dinosaurs on the last lap. Now I didn't really get that feeling as a child and I don't think any child will. They just see mm-hmm. these dinosaurs, they're adventuring, they're, they're finding all new cool places to explore. And, and they're making friends along the way. Now, there's a giant earthquake that happens, um, uh, and Littlefoot gets separated from his family. So his grandparents, his grandpa and his grandma, Logneck, go one way, and then him and his mom have to go in another way. And, and the goal here is to find the, quote, Great Valley. So the Great Valley, apparently, and supposedly, because no one really knows, is this very verdant, it's lush, it's got so many trees, food for every single type of, of uh, dinosaur, um, for everyone to live harmoniously. Now, of course, you can also draw from this, hey, there's all these different types of people and different types of dinosaurs. Why can't we all just kind of live in one place and be right. happy, right? Right, right. Because, of course, these are all, I should mention, um, if not straight up vegetarians, they may be some like omnivores, but they're not the carnivores because they're the bad guys, right? Right, right. Um, one of the, and I'm not spoiling it because it's been out for, you know, 32 years. Um, the, one of the saddest moments I think I have ever, oh, there's my husband calling. I'm going to have to decline on him. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Wayne. Um, uh, whoops. Uh, the saddest moments I think in any, uh, film history and, and something that has literally brought me to tears, even as a 30 something year old is when, Littlefoot and his mom are attacked by a T-Rex or a sharp tooth. And in order to protect her son, his mom, Littlefoot's mom, sacrifices herself and she dies. And it is the most, even for a small child, the, the music changes, the color palette changes. It is just sadness. And it is like, you know, you don't understand, but like, I think that's what, probably one of my first introductions without even my parents or anybody meaning to with the idea that somebody could leave you, like your parents could leave, yep, they could yep. die. Um, and to this day, to this day, it is still so hard for me to watch that, that scene in the movie because even though I know it's coming, it just, it just hits my heart so, so bad. Um, one of the, the most beautiful things about it, though, is that <laughs> uh, all the different names for right, common things, you know, so uh, Littlefoot, right? He's a long neck, and, and, and a T-Rex is a sharp tooth. Well, leaves are called tree stars, and they're the shape of, like, little stars. But one of the most important things is that um, Littlefoot's mom gives him a tree star. She, she's like, hey, I'm not going to eat, but here's food for you. Yeah. And he carries it around with him throughout the entire film. 
Um, and it is, it has been on my bucket list legitimately to get a tattoo of a tree star. Aww. And I've just, I've just never had the time, but like, yeah, this film, oh man, I can't explain to, to the fullest extent what this film has done for me in the, in the sense that I've kept it, it, I've kept its meanings, its feelings and emotions have traveled with me and they've grown with me as an adult. Um, one very like really, really, uh, what's the word for like real but like a very prominent memory in, in my childhood is I remember my mom, she wanted to get a uh, pizza one night and my dad's like, yeah, sure. I'm not going to cook. She's not going to cook. Let's go to pizza hut. Pizza hut in conjunction with the movie release was se- they were selling these tiny little figurines of each of the main characters. And I think you could get them for like, I don't know, five bucks or something when you ordered a large pizza, uh, pizza. In the new movie, The Land Before Time, Littlefoot, Sarah, Ducky, and Spike share an incredible journey. Along the way, they become best friends. Now we'll always be together. And now these lovable characters can be your child's friends too. With a pizza from Pizza Hut, a Land Before Time dinosaur is only 99 cents. So come to Pizza Hut. Your friends are waiting. We'll always be together. Pizza Hut! And I remember, like, crying um, because I couldn't get the little the little foot figurine. And my my dad and my mom tried for like literally a month straight. And they would call Pizza Hut and they would say, "Hey, do you have Little Foot in stock?" And they would say, "No, we don't have it." It wasn't until maybe about five years ago I was searching one of these like apps you have in the app store for selling things. I think right. it was called Mercari, and I found someone selling them. And I ran out of my bedroom. I oh went my to my God. husband and said, hey, <laughs> do you mind if I spend 50 bucks on these little vinyl toys that are probably made of harmful plastic, but that I'm just going to put on the shelf anyways? So, yeah. Wow. Um, I, and I ended up getting them. But it's one of those things where, like, I, I look at them and it just makes it fills me with so much happiness. So um, The Land Before Time, like I said, and we kind of joked about, um, has, has spun off. 13 other iterations of this movie. Um, none of which in my opinion are super awesome, <laughs> but you know, it's got a, it's got a long and lengthy history behind it. Um, it also has, in my opinion, pretty low scores. So the land before time on IMDb gets a 7.5. Yeah. It is over like 80,000 votes. So I yeah, guess it's yeah. not too, too bad. Yeah. Um, Metacritic gives it a 66. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 70, a 70%, but the audience score gives it closer to an 80. So I think it resonates with people um, who watched it as a kid. Um, and the beautiful thing is that right now you can watch this film in quite a few places, including stars for free. If you have the application of the account direct TV, um, it sometimes is available on voodoo and TV uh, Tubi rather. But I would say your best bet is to go ahead and just purchase this film. So you have it forever. Um, especially, especially the, the new, sort of high def version that they put out maybe about 10 years ago. It's right now available on Apple TV for 14.99, Google Play for 14.99. Um I think you might be able to get a little bit cheaper on Amazon. Uh but it's just so worth. It's so worth keeping in your in your movie repertoire because imagine imagine some movie, right? Or some or something that literally dictates how you view things later on 30 plus years later. I mean, it literally uh I st- I'm still fascinated by dinosaurs now. I still want to become like yeah. a paleontologist. I, you know what I mean? Like it literally shaped my, my young brain as it were. So, um, and the one thing that I thought was like super cool and I swear I'm almost done talking about, but on eBay right now, oh. you can get <laughs> a 1994 VHS tape, right? Tape that McDonald's in partnership with Jurassic Park offered when you bought Happy Meals. Wow. And so if you bought this movie, this VHS tape, you got two fifty off in a mail-in rebate when you bought Jurassic Park on VHS. Oh my God. Yeah. So, yeah, this is just amazing. And I actually might just, yep, I've just clicked by it now. Uh, I hope my husband doesn't listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, that's my first my first pick. All right, so I have to ask you, did yeah. you uh, did you ever watch the TV series? I saw maybe like two or three episodes. It wasn't necessarily something that I liked, but it was kind of like, oh, cool, Littlefoot. But it's one of those things, too. Nothing beats the original, so yeah, it's yeah. hard for me to say, oh, 
hey, let me like everything. It's not like, for example, with Jurassic Park, let's say, where the original one obviously is the best, but I like and really like the other version or the, or the other sequels and whatnot. Mm-hmm. With this one, I didn't necessarily feel that. I felt like the, nothing could top the original. So in my mind, yeah, cool, they exist, but they only exist in the realm to showcase just how insanely popular more than me think it is. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, how it yeah. meant to so many other people. So, yeah. And it, also, yeah, it, also, it also makes a great pick, by the way. It also makes a great double feature with an American tale made by the same people. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Where they have to find the golden eagle, right? Oh, it's, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> so good. Yeah, that bird doesn't exist anywhere in there, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. That <laughs> yes, was awesome. That's the first pick. Very Thank cool. You. Very cool. So you're now, not surprised at all. Oh God, no, no. I'm nonplussed, <laughs> as they say. <laughs> oh my, oh my. Hit me I, with your second pick. All right. Now, if you're a regular listener, and I certainly hope that's the case, uh, you may or may not have noticed that our list of episodes begins at episode two, not one. <laughs> You may oh, ask, that fateful yeah, day. Yeah, you may ask yourself, why is this the case? So it's not, and I'm, I'm going to clear the air here. It is not because of the content. No, it was a solid, no, it is not. It was a solid first episode. <laughs> but the sound quality was so bad. Oh. Yeah, because we, you know, we didn't have any proper microphones or any equipment to no, record on nope. it. And we made the unwise decision to record inside a Panera Bread. <laughs> yeah, we tried to do this whole thing like, oh, yeah, we're in the mess hall. We're just, we're just talking. We're two buddies talking about film. And all, meanwhile, there's some grandma yelling at her grandson to eat his food properly. <laughs> Yeah, you know, best laid plans and all that. It just yeah. it, it didn't it didn't work out that well, so we decided to kind of uh turn it around and we held on to that the the crazy kind of storyline that we were stuck in uh, you know, in underwater for a while, but you know, that seemed to, that seemed a little forced and <laughs> nobody, was, nobody was buying that, so we just decided to heck with it and just, you know, just be our usual normal weird selves. You know, my first pick for that episode, what was it? Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, I think? Yeah, I think it was. Oh, man. I love that movie. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. <laughs> it was so good. And I yeah. am, even now, because uh, when we record this, it's just uh, the second day of August. Uh, uh-huh. I am so looking forward to doing another horror month in October. Yes. Oh, I, I you know one of the biggest things, uh, comments I got from people was that they were excited that we had four weeks and that we had a different theme each week. Yes, yes. So I think that we should continue this tradition. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I think that's a great thing. I mean, we had so Woo! much fun doing those episodes. Oh, we did. They were so fun. So stay tuned. October is going to be another, <laughs> we're, we're going to announce it here, another horror month. We don't know what Woo! the themes are yet, but we'll we'll get to work on that. We'll figure it out. There's, we'll there's pretty much out. an endless an endless option of that. Yes, I'm pretty sure one of them will be some sort of pandemic horror film week. <laughs> oh, man. Seems highly yeah, appropriate. <laughs> so I'm mentioning the our, our, our first episode because uh, I'm going to tell a story that I told during that show. Uh, hmm. I'm, so I'm going to repeat this. Uh, but you've never heard it if you're listening, so I'm not really repeating it, am I? <laughs> so let's set the Wayback Machine to 1987. I mm-hmm. was uh, in college in southern New Jersey. I was going to meet two of my friends at a movie theater to see Revenge of the Nerds 2, Nerds in Paradise. <laughs> you know, this was before I, I developed any uh, discerning taste in movies. Mm-hmm. These two friends of mine, they, they had a, a band together. They, they, formed a, they had a, a band called Griffin, like the mythological creature. All right. This may seem like a small detail, but musicians are notoriously late for things. So it made sense that they were over an hour late meeting me at the theater, which I was not happy about. Yeah. By the time they got there, there was only one movie left that hadn't yet started. And it was some dumb sounding horror movie called Evil Dead 2. (laughs) Well, I was determined to see a movie after waiting so long. So we bought our tickets and sat down. We had no idea what we were in for. I had never heard of this movie. I had no idea what to expect and was at least hoping for 90 minutes of diversion while making fun of a bad horror movie. Well, mm. 
I was both wrong and completely blown away. Evil Dead 2 turned out to be one of the most exhilarating experiences of my <laughs> life. It is a gory, bloody, breathless horror movie genetically spliced with Three Stooges comedies and Looney Tunes cartoons. It essentially invented a new genre of movie, and that is slapstick horror. Four years ago, in this quiet forest, in this cozy cabin, something happened. Something so frightening. Something so deadly. Something so evil. We prayed it would never happen again. Now, from the creator of Evil Dead, comes Evil Dead 2. All right, so, <laughs> I mean, here's the thing about Evil Dead 2. First of all, it is not really a sequel to the original movie, The Evil Dead, which was mm -hmm. an even lower budget horror film. <laughs> it's more of a remake of the first one, but with more money. Mm -hmm. So calling it Evil Dead 2 was a bit of a misnomer. I don't know why, why they decided to do that and just calling it something else. Mm -hmm. But essentially you have this hapless protagonist played by the incredible Bruce Campbell. Uh, mm. and during this movie, he is mentally and physically tortured by an ancient demonic presence while he's trapped in a cabin in the woods. And that doesn't do the film justice in any way. It is a nonstop showcase of inventive special effects. It has dark as coal humor and incredible camera work by future star director Sam Raimi, who of ah. course went on to do a lot of fantastic movies and has even just uh, announced he is doing the he's directing the second uh, Doctor Strange movie. Oh no, kidding! Which is kind of awesome. Yeah. Now, now I left that theater wondering who the hell made this crazy thing and how did it get into theaters in the first place? I wanted to know <laughs> what, you know, how this thing ever, ever got where it got. Uh, and that led me down a path that ultimately introduced me to a whole new world of cinema that I never knew existed and ultimately allowed me to use my phony baloney college degree to do some actual entertainment journalism. Uh, so mm -hmm. that was, uh, it was a real eye opener for me and it, it sent me down this rabbit hole and on the other side i found uh, all of these great little independent movies exploitation movies just weird stuff that i started digging and digging and digging and just became more into uh this sort of like unknown cinema that just would not normally make it into theaters and you know you would go to the yeah i mean you would go back in the day you'd go to the video store and you would see shelf after shelf after shelf of stuff you'd never heard of. It's like, what, what is this movie? I mean, it may have a really cool looking cover, but you knew that it was probably going to be awful. And that's what I wanted to see. It was like, oh, this got to be terrible. I'm going to watch this. And that's what got me started on that, on loving those kinds of movies. And Evil Dead mm -hmm. 2, you know, I have to thank, uh, I have to thank Evil Dead 2 for getting me started on that. In fact, um, uh, a couple of years later, it was actually only like, like about three or four years later, I got to tell this story to both Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell uh, wow. at a, a press event that I was, that I was at. Uh, they were both incredibly gracious and Sam Raimi seemed genuinely gratified that his movie had such an impact on me. So that was a, that was a cool moment for me. Uh, I got awesome. them. To, I got them both to sign some autographs, and I still have them. And it's just you know, it was a big, it was a big deal for me at the time. And you know, looking back on it, it was a, it was a really, uh, really, really cool time. So yeah, so another, another movie that had an unexpected uh, impact on my life. Now, if you haven't seen Evil Dead Two, you are missing out. So it has a seven point eight out of ten on the Internet Movie Database. And an amazing 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is outrageous. <laughs> um, and it's available everywhere. You can right. see it on iTunes, on Amazon Prime Video, in YouTube. It's about $4 to rent. So, and, and, you know, don't be put off by 
you know, the violence or the gore because it's all very cartoonish. It's not mm -hmm. in any way like realistic. It's so over the top and so crazy that after a while it just becomes like a cartoon. Right. So, so don't like feel like you're going to get, and there's some scary moments too. I'm not going to lie. And there's some gruesome stuff in there, but if you take it in the spirit in which is intended, which is to have fun and to have like a roller coaster ride, then I think, uh, I think you will enjoy it quite a bit. Oh, go. nice. Yeah. That, that makes me feel like I, I got a little, how, do, how should I say this? I got a little mentally teary eyed. Because ah. I, of course, of course, didn't really. No, but no. like, I thought, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, that's really touching. It's cutting up that's mental really onions. Nice. That's what you're doing. Cutting up the mental <laughs> onions. Oh, Lord. Um, okay. So my, my, good pick, by the way. Thank you. My second pick um, is really funny because I feel like this is one of the first, if not the first time, I have come super full circle with one of my picks. Now, if you remember, and I'm sure you do, <laughs> but earlier this week, we released um, our latest microcast, yes. which is the history of summer blockbusters. Yes, Fantastic yes, episode, Thank by you. the way. Thank you. And it's pretty funny because it coincides with my pick. Oh. It also coincides because we, as we've talked about for the last four months, we are stuck inside. So the things that we normally get to do aren't necessarily available to us right now. Exactly. Coming from the beautiful country, area of the country that, that we are, which mm -hmm. is New England, yep. I know you didn't grow up here, so it might not resonate so much with you, but I think it will. Okay. Um, me, as a New Englander, I can tell you that my fondest, fondest memories as a child, as a young adult, even as an adult, have all typically been surrounded by the beach. Aha. Going to the beach, swimming at the beach, getting excruciatingly painful sunburns because <laughs> I didn't listen to my parents and put sunscreen on, you know, eating really bad food, um, but that it was so good, so bad that it was good yeah. kind of thing. Oh, yeah. um, having beach pizza. Now, if you don't live in New England, there's this thing that we call beach pizza. There's a huge argument between who has the best pizza. Is it Tripoli's or is it Christie's? Oh, Personally, no, I say... Yeah, there, it's, it's Tripoli. I mean, there's no doubt. Oh, God, yeah. Say, okay, thank you. Yeah. That square slice of pizza with that sweet sauce, and if you get extra cheese and the provolone on it, oh, yeah, my yeah. Lord, it is amazing. It is. But it's, it's kind of one of those things that you really can't find outside of New England, and it's such a beachy thing to do. So, anyways, my life is like... It's 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 just a lot of my memories come from the beach, and I love being in the beach. My parents used to tell me that I was part fish because I would <laughs> stay in the water for hours on end to the point where they would have to call me to remind me to come eat, to remind me to reapply sunscreen, and to actually try and play with my little brother because I was avoiding him by being in the water. Mm -hmm. Anyways, um, my second pick is not obscure in the slightest, but it is a movie that I legitimately credit for... Uh, my fascination, as an adult at least, with the ocean. Okay. I, of course, am talking about the 1975 little-known feature called Jaws. Jaws, which, we, <laughs> which of course, we did talk about in we the did. previous microcast. Yes, indeed. A and big, it big is <laughs> the first, the first summer blockbuster. This is the, the movie that set the... The, the, it set the scene for anybody who wanted to make those big, in-your-face, exciting, exhilarating movies that only came out in the summer, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I, of course, did not see it in its, uh, in its, its beginning, in its beginning, right? Because it was in the 70s yeah. and I wasn't alive then. Yes. Um, but, but I have, I have heard this story from my parents for, I don't even know, maybe 25 plus years now, how, when they saw it, they were literally terrified, deathly terrified to go swimming in the ocean for about 10 years. It wasn't until I came along, they were like, hey, let's, let's let her experience the water and at the beach. That was the, one of the first times they actually went back because this movie terrified them so much. Now, what's interesting, I think, about Jaws is that there's kind of two sides of this, right? There's the one, there's the fandom side that everybody in the world knows what Jaws is. If you haven't seen the movie, even if you haven't seen the iconic poster, all you have to say is Jaws and people know automatically that's about a shark, right? Um, and then there's the other side who, who are the people who believe 
that Jaws did not actually do something great for the actual species of shark, right? So people, some people on that side would say, hey, it, it basically demonized these animals who in, in most cases don't necessarily go hunting for humans. Um, and it made the idea of these giant, um, like just over the top, like monstrous creatures have this, this like, it personified them as, as human um, killing machines, right? Right. So, okay, basic plot here. <laughs> uh, there's, the movie opens up, there's a woman swimming, and all of a sudden, ah, I'm drowning, and nobody knows what happens, right? But then there's like blood and stuff. Enter in on a very cozy New England beach called Amity Island. Uh, the new sheriff in town, or the chief, as it were, yeah. Chief Brody, comes over with his family and he's like i'm the chief here i'm from you know another place and i'm gonna i think it's new york he's from he uh you know i'm gonna make this a great place to be and i'm gonna put my foot down and all this stuff so cool whatever he doesn't necessarily realize that in new england there's a type of people and i think that this place and i know that it was it was filmed on martha's vineyard yes, it was, uh, yes. on the cape yep. on the cape yeah and and if I, I have a lot of I had a lot of friends growing up that because um, I kind of grew up in a, in a more affluent town. Not to say that I was, but my friend, a good friend of mine, Joe, he still actually has a, a home on Martha's Vineyard on uh, a Katama Island, actually. And um, there's, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but there's a type of person who lives on the Cape, you know. Oh yeah. And <laughs> and and this movie did not shy away from introducing that type of person as characters in the film. So Brody comes along and he meets these very like, I don't know, snobbish, um, very like upper class, you know, I'm wealthy because I have a house on the Cape type of person yeah. and they don't mesh very well. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, the beaches are packed. People are swimming and having a great time. They are not socially distancing. Well. And <laughs> a little boy, you know, goes missing and there's that that amazing soundtrack right oh yeah but um but um yeah that's all and you like do, that's all you hear that's yeah. all you exactly right that's all you hear and all of a sudden there's blood in the water and people are screaming and now chief brody knows that there's something there <laughs> and then he gets hooked up with this guy named quint and quint is like a kind of a weirdo yeah and he, he has like a lot of stories and it's just it's all this 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 craziness so Basically, you're led to believe in this 1970s fashion that this shark has somewhat of an agenda <laughs> yeah. to to kill these 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 people. And I, I don't necessarily know why, like what it what it drew that you know this shark Bruce, as it were, yeah. to <laughs> to them. But but whatever, nonetheless, it did. And it involves you know a giant explosion scene. Uh, you know this tiny little boat, which of course is that famous quote: "I think we're going to need a bigger boat yeah. because this this." Shark animatronic was, I mean, huge. There's, I can't remember who recently, but some celebrity bought um, the actual, like one of the offcasts of the uh, animatronic that they used for Bruce in the original film, and he restored it, and it's like now in his home, like museum. I, I don't know if it was Benicio, the, not Benicio del Toro, uh, Guillermo del Toro. I don't know, but it was somebody like that. Um, so, and then the film ends with like, you know. They're kind of victorious because the shark, the shark is quote gone, right? But like, but not really, and it sets it up for you know two or three really bad sequels. Yeah, I mean they were different what? sharks, but I mean seriously. Well, okay, funny. There is a Jaws wiki, like a fandom page, <laughs> and it turns out this was a whole family of sharks. Oh yeah, I'm not surprised. The, yeah. Bruce and his wife, and then his kids, and uh, just whatever. So okay, why does this mean a lot to me? Well, I think, and it has to do, I think, with my love of, like, animals in general. Sharks were kind of, like, that closest thing I could get to, like, a dinosaur. They were mean, they were huge, they had huge teeth, and they were terrifying, and they were alive, like, now. Yeah. And it was it was one of those things, too, where, like, you know, my brothers tried to frighten me and tell me stories about, like, how because everyone just called it Jaws, right? Like, not knowing that his name was Bruce, but like, oh, Jaws is going to come get you. Jaws is going to pop up and come get you. And we always used to play, like, 
you know, tempt, tempt jaws and, and, and go into the ocean and then pretend to be a shark. And I just have so many memories of, of that movie popping up every single time we went to the beach. Now, the beach, the beaches in Martha's Vineyard and the Cape and, you know, the surrounding islands are just, I think they're really unique. I think they have a different type of feel than beaches like, say, down in Virginia or even Florida. Florida, you've got these palm trees and it's so hot. You've got iguanas everywhere. You know, Virginia, you've got kind of like these old houses and then you see like nods to like Roanoke and that kind of thing. But in New England, it's just the water's always cold. Right. Yeah. The beaches are always gritty. <laughs> There's always flies, but the, it's just something about it that just draws you home. So I remember the first time I went to England and I was there for about three months. I stayed on a, like a, like a touristy visa while my husband and I were still dating. And then I, we went to one of the beaches there. Cause of course in that country, you're never more than a few hours from the coast. And we went to a beach and it was just like rocks and it was, dark and it was like i was like this is not a beach this is not the beach um and yeah so i think right now what i'm going through in this in this present moment is just the longing to be at the beach the the familiarity that i would get from going to like the cape or nantucket or whatever um but knowing that it's just probably not the safest thing right now because i don't necessarily know how well you can socially distance in the water let alone on the beach and then wearing a mask while it's hot and sandy out, I just, it's not conducive to a good time, at least in my opinion. So <clears throat> there's that longing for, for the beach. And I watched Jaws the other night, um, actually, because it's, it's pretty much everywhere right now. Like oh, it yeah. is every single year. Well, Shark Week. All of these, yeah. yeah, exactly. All of these, these streaming platforms will inevitably put some form of Jaws on, whether it's the original or the really bad sequels or, I mean, Last year, Netflix did Jaws 3, <laughs> the 3D one. Ugh. Oh, God. That was so funny. Um, but right now, I was watching it on HBO Go because it's still around. I don't know what's going on with HBO Now and HBO Go. I think they're getting merged but, into HBO Max. So that's, yeah, that's, I don't know. It's But I have the HBO Now plus Amazon package. I love these these things where you can combine multiple services and pay less. Um, cause it does actually work out. I have like a, a Hulu and Spotify premium uh, membership. I've got Amazon and stars and, uh, HBO now tied in. So it's, it's really cool to think about doing that pro tip, but I watched it on HBO now and I thought, wow, look at that beach. It's so clean. It's so like, you just look at a, at a movie and you're like, wow, I know it's made in the seventies, but I believe that it is nice and warm and sunny. You know, when you look at, at a picture or something and you get that feeling like, yeah, you know, yeah. exactly oh, what yeah. that's like. I, there was one scene. Um, where, you know, they paint the sign <laughs> and, and I just, and I, I remember thinking, well, the other day watches like, ah, oh, man, I bet you it's really warm. It's probably like 90 degrees, but it's a, it's like a hot, dry heat. And, uh, so I, I just basically love that movie for the reason that it reminds me of my home. And something I'm so proud of is to be from New England and part of being New England, part of your identity, at least I think for most people is, is the Cape is the beaches is the summers at the Cape and that kind of thing. So, um, like I said, you can watch it on HBO. Now you can watch it on direct TV. I think you can buy it in the usual places. Um, there's this thing called flick fling, hmm. which I haven't actually used before, but apparently it's an up and coming streaming services. Huh. They have it right now for rental. Um, it's a big yellow app and, um, but you can create like a, a, a free account and they've got some movies on there. Not anything like super amazing. Usually it's just the off cuts, right? But they've got a couple of, um, like sequels and then sequels of sequels, that kind of thing. So you should check it out. But in terms of the rating, I think that Jaws being one, the first summer blockbuster ever is probably one of the high, like most popular films ever. For example, Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 98% with an audience score of 90%. IMDb gives it an 8.0 with nearly 600,000 votes. Wow. Right? Yeah. Uh, Metacritic is an 87. So it's, it's high up there. Now, funny for me, because of course it's Steven Spielberg, right? And he right. directed also Jurassic Park. Yes. So it, it all sort of comes together. But I think there was this, this really funny, um, funny little nod I had to the movie. So about three years ago, uh, we were, my husband and I and my little brother and his girlfriend, we were all at the beach and I'm all like, let's go in the ocean, whatever. My husband's all like, not so much. I don't want to get eaten by a shark. 
And um, <laughs> I was like, that's not going to happen because it's New England. Well, funny because um, <laughs> great white sharks, yeah. <laughs> they do like to come up to the coast in New England because we do, like I say, have those really cold waters from the north. Um, and they come and they, they like to kind of, they, 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 they roam around, right? And they scare people. Well, it happened to be that that day, we uh, were in the water, and then all of a sudden, you hear, like, screaming, but not screaming, like, terrified. Someone screaming, like, uh, like get out, get out now, and um, come to the beach, or whatever. And then there's, like, lifeguards running up and down the beach with their little whistles and stuff. And I'm like, I didn't know that Salisbury had, like, lifeguards. That's weird. <laughs> so I'm in the ocean just like, I wonder what's going on. Not like, maybe I should get out. But it turns out about, you know, I think it was maybe, I don't even know, 40 feet away, something like that. And about 40 feet in, there was a great white just kind of whoop, just wow. around. Jeez. Yeah. Like it was, I'm over here fascinated thinking that this is fun. It's really cool. And my husband's like, no, see, I told you we're going to get eaten on this damn beach. And uh, yeah. So then it, after that, all you hear is people making Jaws jokes and people humming the theme tune to Jaws. Oh, like. Boy. It, it was. Just, it's just a memory I won't ever forget. So I've rambled on too much. But basically, my second pick is Jaws, directed by Steven Spielberg. Suddenly, the most amazing movie I think I've ever probably watched. But it's got Roy Scheider in it, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfuss. <laughs> that guy, Richard Dreyfuss, is actually kind of not bad looking in this movie, which is weird for me to say now. But he he kind of was. Um, <laughs> you can get it on uh, quite a few places. I'm sure that you have seen it. But if oh, you want to uh-huh. know, <laughs> if you want to know. What it's like to be a New Englander in the summer. This is the movie to watch. That yeah, that is correct. And I have to make uh, I have to make a, a confession of sorts. So number, number one, I I totally I do love the Cape. I love Cape Cod. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I love Jaws. Yeah. I hate the beach. You don't like the beach? Nope, I don't. Well, here's the thing. Aren't you from Las Vegas? Well, not originally. I used You're from to, Pennsylvania. Yeah, and I spent a lot of time in the Jersey Shore, which there was oh, a, okay. a beach there. So, well, I was going to say, like, Pennsylvania is kind of more inland, and depending on where you are. You're from Philly, right? I'm from, yeah, I'm from the Philly area originally. So there wasn't necessarily too many beaches around Philly. Yeah, but, we, you know, we spent summers uh, in, in the Jersey Shore with the beach. Uh, right. It was, like, right around the corner. So here's the thing. It's not... First of all, I hate sand. <laughs> the sand, it gets everywhere. I, it gets everywhere. It's and I feel like every time I walk on sand, it's like I'm drunk. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I can't it's get hard my balance. balance. And it's, if it's hot, that's even worse. And it gets in everything. I don't. Oh my gosh, yeah. it does. I, so, it gets in the food that you're eating. Yeah. Oh man. And you know, and and like the first time I think uh, I stepped on a, a broken uh, seashell, I was done with it. Like this oh. is it. I'm done. No more beach for me. I'm a pool oh. guy. So, that's. But you know, what's better than going to the beach on a hot day, eating a really warm bologna and cheese sandwich with too much mayonnaise, and then realizing that you've got sand in it, Literally you still everything. eat it anyways. Literally everything is better than that. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, the Cape is a good place. I, I really, really want to visit the Cape, but I just, I just get in with COVID. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll just journal about it and pretend like yeah. I was there. Uh, interestingly enough, you know, uh, in 2005, myself and a friend and a good friend of mine who uh, is also a film critic, we went to the very first Jaws Fest in Martha's Vineyard that they had. And it was great. I've, I have always wanted to do that. It was fantastic. We had a great wow. time. And I don't they think had, they do it anymore, but yeah. They, they, they do it sporadically, I think, like for like yeah. anniversaries and stuff. But yeah. uh, it was it was a we got to see, you know, one of the replicas of the actual, you know, animatronic shark and you know, like uh, a lot of props and things like that. And it was just it was just a ton of fun. So, yeah, I, I me and Jaws go way back. You know, what's a fun fact about this movie. Guess guess the budget. Just throw a number out there. I think it was like uh, maybe like uh, four million. I think it's actually around ten. But the box office grossed almost four hundred and eighty million dollars. Yeah. yeah, that's what made it's one of the, the first movies. Yeah, the that's first the blockbuster, blockbuster yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yep. They were just they were blown away at how much money. I mean, that's literally like I don't even know how much percent more, but it, yeah, it's crazy. 
So that's my second pick. I'm sorry to go on such a rambling, but there's also one more fun fact I have to say yeah, about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen this this movie, this little movie called Back to the Future? Uh, uh, I think I may You've heard of it, right? have yeah. at some point. Yeah. No, yeah, no biggie. Turns out that there's a nod to Jaws in that movie. The, the Jaws 19 joke. <laughs> Jaws 19, exactly. There's a little whole film playing in, yeah. in, in the, the theater. And it says Jaws, Jaws 19. And, and the uh, movie trailer, I think they said something like, this time it's really, really, really personal. personal. Yeah. And it, it's funny, if you go on YouTube, <laughs> there uh, Universal Pictures put out a trailer for Jaws 19. Oh, yes. Yes, that's true. It's I completely really, forgot about it's that. It's really funny. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I forgot all about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so check that out. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. And, and, How um, on the marquee in Back to the Future, it says it was directed by Max Spielberg. It was Spielberg's oh, son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like his dad just carried it on. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. You know, so we've got some great picks. We've had some really, I think, meaningful picks. Yeah, absolutely. That, that maybe in your case, a little bit more obscure, but and definitely not on mine. But like that means something at least to us, and I think that that was the point of of this request. So, yeah. thanks again, Stephanie. This was a really, really great episode. I think, yeah. and uh, I'm really glad we got to do it. Me too. Me too. Do you this have any uh, mentions? Any honorable mentions? Well, it's funny because I, I all most of the honorable mentions I have would be films that everybody has seen, like Star Wars. Ghostbusters, things like that. So any of those big, you know, like Alien, all those movies that came out during like the, you know, the late 70s and 80s, uh, all of those, I, you know, I saw pretty much everything. And it all sort of cumulatively, if I said that without sounding like I'm drunk, uh, (laughs) you know, had uh, an, an effect on me in one way or another. And all of them sort of grew my my love of movies uh, in mm-hmm. some way. So yeah, I mean, all just about all the all the big names I I can recite that would be my um, you know that would be my honorable mention. So yeah. Well, see, your honorable mentions are more like you know actiony, final not Final Fantasy, but fiction yeah. that kind of thing. My honorable picks are a little bit different, so. I have three of them and they're all films that I watch with my mother that have some sort of like tie of us watching that. One of them is young Frankenstein because I still laugh at that movie. Mel Brooks uh, is beyond a comic genius. He is literally the top of, of everything for me. And he's such a cool guy. Um, And then backdraft. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's got Kurt Russell in it. um, Billy Baldwin. (laughs) I think it's one of the only films he's ever been in, but it's about these firefighters and it's like super dramatic and it's kind of like a mystery and you know what's going on. Saw that and cried at the end with my mother. And then the last one is Steel Magnolias. <laughs> this oh, is like boy. the tearjerker and all tearjerkers. It really is. And I think if you if you watch this film and you don't cry, there is something missing for you. And I want to know who hurt you. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, that's my third that's my third uh, honorable mention. Because it's just one of those films I think everybody has to see once in their lifetime. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> okay. Mm, yeah. I like, it. I like it. I think this, this was, was a, an episode of a lot. It was a really good episode, right? Like, yeah. this was an, an episode where we just kind of, it didn't matter if we rambled a little bit because it was just the whole point of it was just saying how much these things meant to you. Yeah. And, and it only matters if we think so. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. <laughs> so, uh, we think it's a great I episode. Mean, so don't, you know, I mean, come at us. Yeah. Really. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Maybe we'll just won't even read your suggestions anymore. Or all your positive feedback. Wait, 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 no, 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 let's not go wait. there. No, not, let's nope. not go too oh, far. Okay. No, no, we don't Never want to mind. alienate the audience. You know, we want to <laughs> embrace them in a socially distant way. <laughs> let me digitally embrace you. Yes, let me digitally <laughs> embrace you. Which sounds super creepy. Yes, that's really creepy. Yeah. But we do want to thank you for listening. Absolutely. I hope that you're getting some entertainment and some some joy value out of our episodes because we do try to make them funny because it is just us having fun. We're not we're not being paid, which is for darn sure. Yeah, you're not being Um, paid. Yeah, that's true. What? Uh, Go Um, on. Go on. We're not being paid, and we really are doing this to kind of keep ourselves entertained, keep yeah. ourselves grounded. It's it's a different, difficult and different time for so mm. many of us, if not all of us. 
And so if you're listening to our podcast, we just, we thank you so much and we hope that you don't stop. And we also hope that you don't report us. No, no, not at all. Uh, (laughs) but we also would like to use your ideas. So please, 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 just like our friend, Stephanie, send Mm -hmm. us, send us suggestions. We would love to hear from you. We would. Absolutely. You can find us on the deepdivepodcast.com. You can find our email there, which is one of the best ways to reach us, or our Instagram, or Twitter, or Facebook. I gotta be honest, though, our Instagram is pretty hopping. We, we, we like to release really cool decals uh, before the show to kind of give you a little bit of a hint about what's going on. Yeah. We've got a lot of friends on there. Um, we're pretty active on there, too, but if you want to email us, it's the deepdivepodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will respond, even if it's just with a cease and desist letter, but we yeah. will respond. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Our, our lawyers are, you know, we have them on speed dial for this kind of thing. Yeah, 1-800-lawyers.com. That's where that's, we got. That's basically it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so yeah, go. so this is probably our first, I think it's our first episode kind of of like the, the big summertime. We'll probably have a couple more, yeah. um, but I hope everyone out there is happy and healthy and that you're staying safe, you're staying indoors. And if you're not staying indoors, that you're wearing a mask because what's more patriotic than wearing a mask and protecting your fellow human being? Exactly. That's right. I can hear the fireworks now. Very patriotic <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, next dive, the next deep dive microcast Ooh. looks at something very special. So, here is a hint. What is the most successful movie franchise of the past 15 years? And I'm speaking in a very years? broad sense here. Like Maybe Lord word. of the Rings? Not the last 15 years, I would say. I mm. would give you, uh, let's see. It, it it has to do with uh, like the Marvel franchise. Yeah, see, there you go, the Marvel <laughs> franchise. So gotcha. we are going to look at what Marvel movies were like before the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe started with Iron Man. Here's a hint: oh. most of them were bad, very, very <laughs> bad. So we're going to take a look oh, at yeah. some of those and the story behind some of those are awful sort of early Marvel movies next on the microcast. When Captain America wasn't Captain America. Oh, new, new, new. I'm going to say. When so I'm going to say. Yeah, when he, when he had a, a motorcycle helmet on and uh, a plastic, <laughs> a clear plastic shield. Not good. Not good. Oh, yeah. So we're going we're gonna to find out some interesting uh, little details about those movies as well. All right. You so, know, our microcasts are pretty awesome. You should check them out. They're short. Which one? They're funny. They're entertaining. I'll just say our microcast. Oh. If you love this, and we know everyone does love yes, this. Yes, of course you do. If you want a small little taste of what these are like, then listen to our microcast. They come out every other week, so they're basically on the off week of the show. They're 10 to 15 minutes long. They're perfect if you're just taking a quick drive to Dunkin's to get your ice latte with caramel swirl. It's, um, like, a, it's like a snack. It's a snack. It's a snack. It's a it is snack. the It's juicy fruit in your lunchbox. Right, it's a it's a pas d'oeuvre, as it were. Oh, um, okay, we've had enough. Yeah, I think so. I think we're rambling now. So uh, <laughs> that will be it for this edition of the Deep Dive Podcast. On behalf of the amazing Mandalorian and myself, Tom Feeney, please stay healthy. See ya. Bye. You can find links to our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram feeds on our website, thedeepdivepodcast.com. If you like us, please subscribe. All clips are intended for educational use only and not to infringe on existing copyrights. Our theme music was produced by Ryan Blaney and EchoCraft. Thanks for listening. The Deep Dive Podcast is a production of Automaton Media.